Well, yeah, those were those were my favorite too. I yeah. would when I was in goal for the last couple games, right? Like mm-hmm. generally I was okay. I didn't really get let out to no. dry because yeah. the defense was pretty solid. I mean, Klaus was just Yeah. <laughs> a unit. Yeah. But the worst part the worst part about playing with Klaus was I don't know how it happened, but whenever we went down to four men, which would then be me and the three other defensemen. Yeah, you Harvey. Somehow... You'd be like you, Harvey, Klaus, and Tom, right? Yeah. Harvey and Tom always ended up top left, top right. Mm. Which I was like, okay, I'm the LSM. I should really be up, but mm-hmm. it just somehow ended up that way. And Klaus loved to pinch. So if a player ran on the crease, me and him would pinch in and cross it. And a few times I genuinely just ran in ducked down and watched the player go over me because I was just like, I've got to hit Klaus at an angle. Like it did happen where I hit the player first and then Klaus hit the player. And it was just like the weight of Klaus was the same as us two. We both ended up on the floor. And I was just like, but it would just just be like running into a brick wall. Yeah. Right. But that, but there was the, there would be those times where Klaus would pinch or Tom would pinch. Because mm-hmm. they're tall and big, but they're slow. So they would pinch yeah. and they'd miss. Yeah. And then the guy would just have a clear lane to the net. And I'm just like, yeah. Okay. You were there for the moment where you thought Klaus had died. Mm-hmm. So I'll explain this for the podcast listeners because I've noticed you've, you've done it. In lacrosse, depending on how the game is going, depends on how the defense react to a shot. If it's early in the game, you spontaneously see every single defensive player jump and turn to the side because they don't want to get hit with a fucking shot. For some unknown reason, I was behind... I was in front where the player was trying to get the ball from this guy. This guy ripped a shot. Klaus was behind me to the left. I saw this shot go over my shoulder and then all I heard was Klaus take it to the throat, go... and drop flat on his face. Yes. And then genuinely not move for at least 30 seconds. Yeah. And we all went, he's dead. Is he all right? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was just laying like this on the floor. Face down, yeah. And we were all just like, should we get should we get an ambulance? Or at which point, at which point I think Harvey poked him with a stick. Yeah, and he I went, think Harvey tried, was like <laughs> he went, all right, and kind of got up and then got himself off the field. <laughs> yeah. I also remember where Klaus did that to an opponent oh. who was about a third of his height. It was basically yeah. like if Calvin was on the other team. Mm. And I watched Klaus, Right? Yeah. Klaus yeah. did a poke check and it just like yeah. rode up the kid's arm and just stabbed him right uh-huh. in the gullet and he went, whoa! Yeah. Yeah. And then crumpled to the floor and Klaus was like, you're right. I used to love when I used to get fast breaks as an LSM and you had you went to Klaus's side because mm. if you were on like Tom's side or if you were trying to go up the middle with Harvey, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to run round them or I know that they're going to, you know, or I'm just going to be clear. If you got one from Klaus... Klaus was staying still. He was an immovable object. And it was great because I could run on the offense and the offense didn't know where I was coming because Klaus was in the way. Right. And then he was always back for you. So yeah. Yeah. It's just like, just, I, I remember once running around Klaus because I got the ball, like two guys had passed it between them. I got the ball and my arms were like out here, brought it back and went, I need to retreat back into defense. And Klaus just stood there with the stick in his hand. Didn't call, pick, or anything like that. Just stood there. And I ran around him and went, bye, Klaus. And he went, have fun. And just continued on with the game. Like, God, I, I remember being so piss poor at passing with the goal stick, though. Oh, it's... you. <sighs> it For people that haven't ever done it, a, a lacrosse short stick is kind of quite easy once you've got the weight and the feel of it yeah a deep hole i would say is awkward well i tried i tried yours yeah 
it's, that was it's awful. Right. It's it's okay. The weight's weird. There's a lot of movement to it. The goalie stick, I try. You just whenever you pass with the goalie stick, you just have to hope and think that the guy that you're passing it to is all right. Yeah, because you're. It's vague. It's not coming out perfect every time. It's coming I mean, a bit left, a bit right. Well, I mean, I remember just like being trying to pass to like Tom or Harvey on on in the corner. And yeah. just like yucking it basically about 25 feet in the air. Yeah. And just going, oh, well, that's going somewhere. Yep. I hope you catch it. Can you still see it, Harvey? It's sunny. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know. If it was one of the preseason things before we started, before we'd let freshers play, where John had this miraculous idea when we knew we I was playing LSM and he wanted whoever was in goal to practice throwing a deep pass to me so I could catch it and go. Mm. So this involved me and Bobby for about half an hour. I would stand on the goal line and Bobby would go, go, and I would run and Bobby would try and feed me a pass. And Bobby was a very good goalie. And I'd say he got it within about 10 foot of me twice. And then I was running and trying to catch it offside. And it just, it was just awful. I definitely, I do remember launching a couple of passes like that though. And then being yeah. successful. Yeah. You gave me one, which was, I've I never run so. that fast in my life. Yeah. Because you caught it and then basically just locked eyes with me. And, just and everyone it. had already started running and everyone was already past halfway and I just kind of went, he can't throw it that fast. So I started running, at which point you overthrew me by 30 feet. Yeah. And I just went, okay. And then you just yucked it up and carried on. Fucking run! I think I hit John at like midfield also. Yeah. Yeah. Or like our side I, of half. I used to... I, but. I used to love you being in goal because it was so funny. Like when well, you were in, when you're in midi, it was good, but often in midi, you were the only person paying attention. So when I came off, you went on. So we were very rarely on the field at the same time. Right. But all I remember is my one of my I think five shots I ever took with a, in a lacrosse game was one where I ran down the left side, went past you, went past Calvin, because Calvin stayed in defense for some unknown reason, um, at which point I didn't know the offense, but no one else knew I didn't know the offense. <laughs> right. So I just I just thought, I'm going to take opportunity of this fast break, slowed down, shot, missed the goal by about six feet. Oh, and yeah, all I yeah. heard from you was, woohoo! <laughs> And then you heard Bobby saying, Gab, stop shooting. <laughs> my best one was one where I had it three times in one game where my only attempt was, because they had a really good keeper. So Bob, uh, John said to me before the game, he said, we need to wear this keeper down. So he said, just ping him with really fast deep hole shots. Because a deep hole six foot long. If you shoot with it, it's going incredibly fast and goalies don't like it. Right. Um, so... He told me to do this. So the three fast breaks I got, I just launched it at the goalie as hard as I could. But the problem is it's incredibly predictable where it's going to go. So I did it three times and then I came off. And when I came off after the third time, Bobby went, if you do that again, I'll hurt you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just I was... No emotion. I'll hurt you. I will hurt you, yeah. Well, I was fine in goal because I... Yeah. I mean, I've played hockey all my life and I played road hockey goalie for most of the time growing up. Like I loved doing that. So everyone was, everyone else was whinging, including Josh or what was his name? I don't know. The ginger goalie, the original uh, one. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it was Josh before he got the yeah. mumps and couldn't, couldn't get, yeah, keep going. Couldn't do it anymore, yeah. yeah. The kid wanted to keep playing with the mumps. And I'm like, if you get hit, with the this ball in your this mump, like yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I was, I was used to getting hit with the ball all the time, and everybody would be whinging about, oh, I took a shot to the leg, and I'm like, 
Yeah, yeah. ow. Get over it. <laughs> Move on with your life. Yeah. Keep I playing mean, the game. Yeah. It's like... A, a lacrosse goalie is not a fun position to play. Like, I'm sure some people love I it. Enjo- I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. It's, it was just meh for me. It was just meh. You feel good about yourself when you make a big save. Yeah. I don't know. I enjoyed being in, I enjoyed being an LSM more because it was like being a wizard. Well, yeah, you just, and you you got you got more involved. I mean, half yeah. the reason I didn't mind being in goal is because I didn't have to run so much. Yeah, I was good with that. As, I was an, like, as, an, as an LSM, I got to be a lazy midfielder because mm-hmm. if I wasn't feeling it, you would know I've never run further than halfway. That yeah. was as far as I went. <laughs> Whereas I was, when I was playing, I was always midfield, which meant I had to be everywhere always. It's just like, mm. should we, should we start the podcast? Start I was about to say that. Yeah. Love little reminiscent. Yeah. Reminiscing time. Welcome to better luck next week. Mm-hmm. We've got some, some interesting things to discuss. Yeah. Um, not really anything too pressing, I guess. No, this is kind of like an this is a weird moment in sports because there's things going on, but the things that are going on are kind of like, yay, okay, well, now nothing's really going to happen with that for like six weeks, right? Like, we had racing the, on this weekend, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, we had the NFL draft and everybody's excited about who everybody drafted. And now we have to wait till September for anything to actually happen with it. Yeah, to see them play. Yeah, right. So it's like, okay, it's actually, does it not feel really early to have the draft for the NFL? It does, but I think it's because we haven't really had much other sport. I mean, I guess, but like even for the NHL, like they do their draft at the end of June Mm. and then the season starts up again in October. I don't know if they've, and this could be complete bollocks, but I don't know if they're doing it earlier this year because obviously normally basically the player, the the players would get drafted and then pretty sure after the draft would do rookie training camp and then pretty much roll straight into training camp. But I guess, but I I don't guess they know can't do that this year. Yeah, I don't know if there's some different things. Like, I don't know if they're plat like they're like we're gonna do this earlier so that we can like pad some time in. Because yeah. you know, if, if you've just drafted a rookie, he arrives at your facility and then he's got to sit in a hotel room for two weeks. That's a bit. Well, yeah, things no. are a little bit more lax in the United States now. I don't think there's the two week stuff anymore. Okay. Um, that's basically just Canada, which, okay. you know, is, is fine. Mm. Um, but Trevor Lawrence went to the Jacksonville Jaguars first overall to the surprise mm-hmm. of absolutely no one. Um, because, I mean, this kid, this kid has the potential to be a generational talent. Yeah, I think. To, to what we've never seen before, which we kind of discussed a bit. Yeah, I'm just a little more reserved about it because I have never seen. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, right. Like I've never seen an NFL quarterback step into the starting role and immediately be world beating. Right. Like it takes Mm -hmm. them, you know, a year or two to really settle in and figure out and, and get going. Right. I can. I, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get the, the NFL draft picks up, and the NFL website is being awful. Um, it's not great. So, Why is it that league websites are always a bit? Oh, they're just hot garbage. I mean, look. The thing for me is, is that we've the guy has always won. If you had to kind of pick out what traits you wanted from your rookie QB. He's never he's eighty six games won four lost. Yeah, that's he's since his, that's the, since the beginning of his high school career. Yeah, he's, four losses in his entire young football had, life. <laughs> he's had one injury, and that has been to his non throwing shoulder, which he's since had fixed, rehabbed, and it's all good to go. Right. 
from how he talks and all that kind of stuff, he is a very calm human being. He's already married, too. He's already married. <laughs> he just seems like the, a very chilled out dude. Like, even at his pro day, for, like for a lot of these guys, when you see them playing, you look at them and go, there's some stress behind this. You're having to think about it, all this kind of stuff. To Trevor Lawrence, it, when you watch him play a game, there's no stress going on. There's no frantic. There's no yelling at other teammates. He is just, okay, this is what you want me to do. Okay, you want me to launch the ball 85 yards, hit the receiver on the numbers, score a touchdown. Okay, coach. Cool. I can do that. I'll go do that. And goes and and does it. Um, I think the comparable that I can see only out of anyone else in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. Where yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter what's thrown at him, there's very little stress, yeah. and there and it's just it it looks easy, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. It's an yeah. off it's an off handed wrong foot throw across his body as he's falling, mm-hmm. and he makes it look like it was a planned dance yeah. routine. Yeah, and I mean he's not—he's not labelled as a mobile quarterback, but when he needs to run, he can run. Mm. Um, you know, kind of a bit like Patrick Mahomes. I would really like to see the two of them play a game against each other, just to see who. Oh yeah, that'll going. happen. Yeah, I mean the thing for me, if we start talking about teams on this, Jacksonville have been very smart in this draft, so. They already had a receiver that he had played with before. They drafted him a year ago. They drafted him number one overall, which was the only way you were going to do that. And mm. then they also had the 10th overall pick. Uh, sorry, not 10th overall. Uh, one of the higher, uh, I think it was 15, 20 or something like that. And they drafted a running back who Trevor Lawrence has been playing with for two years. So. Right. He- He's not going to have to come into a locker room and completely learn everything. He's got a lot to learn, and I would be—I wouldn't be happy if he played week one. Uh, yeah, Travis Etienne, right? Yeah, but he's got his kind of—he's going, and I think a lot of rookie QBs go and they don't know anything. They've got to learn three new—you know—they've got to learn ten new wide receivers three running backs and you know tight ends and a whole book well yeah it's like it's like sam darnold when he just showed up with the jets and and new york was just like okay save us and he was like with what yeah because i think i think one of the 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 things people most underestimate is how much a good quarterback wide receiver relationship is or 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 good quarterback running back you know i mean you you need yeah. it's yeah. really important to have at least one of those established mm-hmm. pretty yeah. early mm-hmm. and 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 then you can continue to build from there mm-hmm. and so that's exactly what the jaguars have already done right they've there. gone here's just like he's landed in jacksonville yeah and he's already got his safety blanket like he already knows okay worst thing in the world i know i can go to this guy Right. I know I've got, I've got my do. running back yeah. right there. Yeah, I know what he's going to do. Um yeah. So that's really good. I just like yeah. I just like to say 5% of people graded this pick as a terrible draft pick. 5%. Only 78% of people who went to the NFL draft board website and graded this pick gave it an excellent draft pick, best mm-hmm. prospect overall. I don't like it when we when we rate someone the best overall, best ever and all that kind of stuff. Well, in this dra- in, I mean in this draft, he is the yeah. best overall prospect. He's best overall prospect in this draft. Yeah. That's what I, that means. I, I I think I agree with you that we need to see him play some NFL games. Mm. I think that if you had to you're never going to know everything about a rookie QB, but I think that if you had to, if you had to put, a, if you were a betting man and you had to put some money on it, 
Trevor Lawrence is going to be your best bet. Like he's the closest that you can get to knowing someone's going to perform in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyone after him yeah. has as much, has, has a lot of potential, Yeah, but it, he, he, yeah. he's on another level based on how well he's performed. The one yeah. thing that does concern me, and I did bring this up with you as well, mm. is his, he's lost his four losses are all postseason mm-hmm. losses. Yeah. So he's very good in the regular season. He mm-hmm. gets you to the playoffs, but yeah. then he hasn't been able to consistently finish either. Like he doesn't actually have that many titles yeah. to his name. Yeah. No, despite I can... all of this success. And so yeah. I can I mean, see there's, that. there's a couple, there's a couple of guys you can look at in the NFL that are the same, right? Like, I mean, uh, Drew Brees comes to mind, a guy who was always a winner but mm-hmm. never a champion or very yeah. rarely a champion. Right. Yeah. So that's just a little niggle, but mm. I mean, if the Jacksonville Jaguars do this rebuild, right, which it looks yeah. like they are starting to do that. It looks like the plan is there. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville could be a very successful team for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. If, if we're talking about teams that I'm, I'm worried about, so the New York Jets have obviously they've gone with Zach Wilson, QB, right. Se- second, you know, debatably the second best quarterback available, Trey Lance. Yeah. I mean, you you could yeah. you could pick either one honestly, yeah. and probably be just as satisfied. Yeah, yeah. the The worry for me is that I hope the Jets have learned their lesson. God, I hope so. I mean, because they just, otherwise, they just ruined. Otherwise, Otherwise, you're just making the same mistake over again. Yeah, for the third time. The third time. Yeah. Sam Darnold's not the first one they ruined. He's the second one that they drafted and then subsequently went, oh, well, Uh, you're a bit shit now, which he isn't. uh, (laughs) I mean, and then Trey Lance, San Francisco, cool. Atlanta. That one's, I mean, we talked a bit about that one before. Let's hold on it because it is a little bit interesting. Because San Francisco has Jimmy G. Yeah. Apparently they inquired with the Packers about Aaron Rodgers, which we'll we need talk, to talk about, about that later. Yep. And now they've got Trey Lance, which I mean, you know, who, of course they were going to pick who, whichever of Wilson or Lance was available. Yeah. So I think that this was, I know every single year we say, oh, this is the wide receiver draft. This is a QB draft. This is, this year was a quarterback draft. It absolutely. Just, sorry. Um, I think that after three years, I think Jimmy G is a great quarterback. He just is. I think when you're on your third year where Jimmy G has played for you for a couple of games and got injured, you need an insurance policy. You had a high draw. You had a high pick. Well, they traded up for it. They well, they yeah. traded up too. Yeah, you had a high pick. You really anything apart from a quarterback in you know, unless there's a defensive end that's incredible in the top three, hmm. is a bit difficult to justify. I, I think this is a smart move. I think you know, okay, cool. Maybe this guy, Jim, this maybe this makes Jimmy G go. Okay, I need to start taking things a bit more seriously because they've got someone in the wings now. But I'm not stressed about this. Atlanta Falcons. Well, and it's the- it's it's not like Jimmy G's young either. He's he's going to be 30 this November. Um, and he's honestly not really had a whole lot of time as a starting quarterback because of his injuries. Right? Yes, he's been the starter in san francisco since 2017 Mm -hmm. but i mean he played six games in 2017 three games in 2018 he was finally able to play a full season in 2019 but Mm -hmm. then excuse me only six games again last year and he was three and three last year it's not like he it's not like he was five and one or something so yeah it's Uh, really unfortunate to see that but um, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll kind of blat through the next couple. So Atlanta Falcons going tight end, fine. Yep. Matty Bengals wide receiver. I mean, they, they've got a lot of talent at wide receiver. They keep on doing this. They draft a really good wide receiver, and then eh. Dolphin. Yeah. I don't uh, know. 
Yeah, Dolphins with a wide receiver, okay, fine. The Dolphins were a reasonable team. It needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Detroit Lions going offensive tackle. I mean, you've got so many problems that I would have probably gone into free agency and got an experienced offensive tackle. It was me. Carolina Panthers cornerback, okay. Denver Broncos cornerback, okay. Eagles going for a wide receiver. I mean, fine. Now, this one is the first one I want to bring up. So, you 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 brought up that Trevor Lawrence has had losses. Now, one of those more recent losses was to Justin Fields, who dropped to 11. He was mm-hmm. predicted number two or number three. Yeah. Now, when I saw him dropping last night, I was like, if he goes to number 15 where the Patriots are, I'm going to be ecstatic. Um, <laughs> yes. But he is the only person that's beaten Trevor Lawrence recently, in recent memory. Yeah. We don't know who those other people were, but I know that Justin Fields has beaten him. Um. So, I mean, that's smart. The Bears need something. Dallas Cowboys going linebacker. Yeah, fine. Um, Los Angeles going offensive tackle. Jets with another one going offensive tackle guard. So, Patriots went Mac Jones. Okay, this is the highest that we've... um... Well, it's the highest that the Patriots have drafted in a while. Yeah, it's it's the highest that we've drafted a QB in a while. And it's the first time time they've drafted a QB in... However long. (laughs) Um, Ten years. (laughs) I... He's not a dual threat. He's a throwing guy. He's thrown quite well. This what, is a difficult. Well, what he does for me is that if, I mean, he's, he, if he's a throwing guy, like you say, it means to me that he fits exactly the mold that Bill Belichick likes. Bill Belichick has never not had a throwing quarterback. And that's almost why I think Cam Newton kind of struggled a bit because he was expected yeah. to throw when Cam Newton's a bit more of a dual guy yeah you know i i know cam newton's taken abuse for it like physical (laughs) you know because he's been hurt a lot but i mean i you know i don't know what the patriots plan is if i'm if i'm honest i can't normally in the past i could see the patriots plan i could kind of go okay i can understand where you're going with this bell well i mean i personally don't know why bill belichick is still there I think, I think he's got another season and it's going to another what eight and eight season, maybe. Right. Well, this is the thing the the reign of terror is over. Yeah. It's been over for a couple years now since, yeah. since Tom left. Yeah. It's time to move on, get a fresh new perspective I and think- go, go for a full rebuild. In my opinion. I think the problem is that Bill Belichick and I, I, I think this has always been his kind of superpower was that Bill Belichick saw potential in players and value in players where other people did not. Especially if they were at a supermarket and he launched a yeah, cabbage. Or, or, or whatever. You know, <laughs> on, on a lot of teams, if you turned around and said, your starting wide receivers are Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, and um, oh, Chris, what's Hogan. The, Chris Hogan, you go... Oh wow, you're gonna have a rough year. But they did what they needed to do, mm-hmm. and they were very good at it. And Rob Gronkowski was an incredible tight end, and you yes. had it, it. It worked, and he was able to put people in place that worked. The problem is now that he used to, you know, he used to rock up to the party having not spent much money on players, and then was able to you know, with these players that against, you know, if you played them in a normal system and stuff like that, wouldn't do very well, but because they were doing system play and doing very specific things, played well above their means and teams couldn't figure it out, that he got very far. But the problem is now is that teams have gone, one, we know what you're going to do. And two, I think the level of talent of the other teams has gone so high. You know, if you look at the Bills last year, the Bills, yes, you can play all the fancy football you want. You can have all the trick plays, all the laterals, everything you want. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter 
if the you know all the smart defensive zone reads and all that kind of stuff at the end of the day that doesn't matter if the team that you're playing are just decisively more talented and better well and there's been there's and all these other teams have had higher selling points than the patriots because for the longest time the selling point for the patriots was oh do you want to play with tom brady yes okay Go, go sign with the Patriots then and Bill Belichick will literally give you, you know, a, a sack of potatoes yeah. because it doesn't matter. You're playing with Tom Brady. Now, yeah. you know, all these other teams have the selling point of, well, the Bills, for you brought up the Bills. The Bills yeah. have the selling point of, oh, do you want to play with Josh Allen and a young yeah. developing team that's looking like they're going to be successful for several years to come? Okay, great. And we'll give you a bit of money to make sure that you add to that success and are accountable to such and, and blah, blah, blah. You know, Mm -hmm. the, the, um, the Cleveland Browns are the same. Do you want to play with a young up and coming quarterback who's got a decent support system around him and only add to it? Oh, by the way, we also signed, um, or no, they didn't sign JJ Watt, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've you go. We're a talented football team. Like the thing, the- yeah. The, the only thing that the the only thing that the Patriots have to offer now is, oh, do you want to play with aging? You do you want to play for the aging legend Bill Belichick? Well, I guess, right? But that's not really a selling point because. Yeah, I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a selling point anymore. Right. I just don't think it is. I think the problem for the Patriots is, is if if we wanted to turn this around we needed to have gone up and got one of the top three guys. Not saying this guy we've got isn't good. Yes, he is the 15th overall pick. I'm sure he is going to be great. But the problem is, is that the only way I see the Patriots turn this around and us having a conversation in 12 months' time where we go, wow, Bill Belichick really played one on Tom Brady, was where we got Trevor Lawrence and we got a couple of wide receivers to put around him. And Hilarious. Yeah. And the team was kind of, you know, somehow in free agency, Bill Belichick basically rebuilt the team. But right, but nobody's nobody's gonna that. do nobody's gonna do any favors for the Patriots anymore. They've had their time. <laughs> no and- one's gonna no one's gonna do the stuff where they put someone like Antonio Brown out on waivers, and every single team says no, we don't want him. And Bill Belichick sits at the bottom of the pile and goes, <laughs> all okay. the other teams are going, we're not that stupid anymore, Bill. We right. know what you're trying to do. We're not going to let you do it. Right. So yeah. it's to me, the Patriots need to move on entirely and it's nothing against Bill. He's a legend, no. but they need fresh blood. I mean, it's, it's like anything else. It's mm-hmm. ma- leadership and management needs turnover or else it gets stale. Yeah, it does. And that's, and that's just the fact of life. And you, <laughs> You know, in my opinion, the Patriots needed to move on after this season from Bill, but they haven't. Obviously, his contract mm-hmm. is still going. So, yeah. you know, you might as well. Yeah. So breaking there's there's news. breaking there's breaking news as of half an hour ago. Okay. Uh, the IIHF has announced that the women's worlds will be played August twentieth to thirty first. Mm-hmm. With the venue to be announced in the coming weeks. Does this have anything to do with raging pitchforks and people calling them idiots pretty much consistently, including on this podcast? Probably. Yeah. Um, I I give them credit for coming out (laughs) with something less than, you know, it's been about a week and a half since, well, 10 days exactly since they cancelled it. Um, yeah, it was cancelled on the twentieth. So, I give them, uh, I give them the credit for the work that they're trying to do to rectify the mistake that they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not excusing the mistake that they made. I think it's, uh, I still think it's an abomination that you had no backup plan and now you have to reschedule it for the end my, of August. My thing for this is that this is reactive not proactive exactly right so which is what annoys me is because they've done it because they've obviously launched themselves into a pr nightmare yeah um to which i don't think like because there wasn't 
like on a lot of things and stuff like that, like there's like mixed messages, like people drafting Trevor Lawrence. Some people like it, some people don't. I don't understand the people that don't like it, but anyway. Yeah, there's um, about third. Was it 22 percent of people yeah. apparently don't yeah. think it was the the right the, the best pick to make? I just 22 yeah. percent. Anyway, <laughs> um, but with this, I didn't really. I had to look through the Twitter responses to the original message after I'd spoken with you guys because I always like to form my own opinion. I didn't see anyone saying anything apart from what the fuck, pretty much. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. And you had a lot of a lot of the players coming out. We even had Shannon Zabados, who's, you know, a member of Hockey Canada, but, you know, the team has kind of moved on from her. She's an aging goaltender, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of goaltending talent in Canada, and she's she's had her time basically and now she's got yeah. now and she's got a family now as well so i think i think her and hockey canada have decided to move on um yeah. but she actually not only tweeted but then tweeted the fact that she had sent her resume an application to the IIHF to say i will be the head of uh women i will be you if you create the women's division of the double IHF, like create a, a position yeah. for somebody to oversee women, the running of women's hockey in the double IHF. Yeah. I will do it says Shannon Zavados. Um, so, I mean, credit to her where credit's due. For... The right person to do it for lack of a better word, isn't it? Exactly. The... She played with, she played for team Canada for over a decade. She's got multiple gold medals. And, you know, has, has now transitioned into that more business side of sports role. So, I mean, who better to do it than somebody who's already passionate about it? And, and yeah, like, I like the idea. literally, I think that's what people need to do. When, when an organization does something that outrages a lot of people, I think one of the, one of the best ways to rectify it is hire somebody who was part of the outrage. Yeah. Because then well, you're that's, immediately that's going, all right, you guys were outraged. We're going to pick somebody from you and bring them on to go, all right, how do we make this better? I think that's the best. I, I honestly think that's one of the best ways to do it because you just then, you kind of fix the problem from both sides mm-hmm. because you pick a person that already has the public following the support and all that kind of stuff and bring her on, which makes her the face of your kind of business and all that kind of stuff. And everyone goes, okay. We like that. (laughs) Yeah. She then understands what everyone else is trying to say, because if everyone starts yelling at her and going, blah, 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 she goes, Hey, I was literally over there a minute ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once she's then in that building, she then understands what the, you know, what both sides want. Mm -hmm. And he's instead, you know, almost like the intermediate. I think it's a great decision. I think they should do it. I, 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 I hope, I hope they do. Honestly, yeah. I, I think it would be. Shannon, Shannon is literally offering them help on a silver yeah. platter. Yeah. And it would be, it would be ludicrous not to accept that because mm-hmm. it only makes the double IHF look good. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, that's that's the good news. Um, I might actually do the same. I think I'm just going to send my resume and demo to TSN and Hockey Canada and be like, "Hello, yes, I will broad. I will help broadcast this." Yeah. Um, speaking so. of poor management, well, not poor management, but something I don't really understand. So, it's the first round of the uh, World Endurance Championship this weekend. We had right, yes. prologue, which is testing, and then. The race. It's at Spa on Monday because for some for some reason World Endurance does qualifying and everything like that on the Saturday and then doesn't race on the Sunday and then races on the Monday. Mm. But hey. We love so Mondays. I'm going to explain the World Endurance Championship structure to you, Jared, this year. So you have hypercars, which is pretty much, it has to have four wheels. Then you have what's called LMP2. So LMP2 is 
everyone gets the same engine. You can only buy your chassis from one of four people. Um, and there's a lot of restrictions around bodywork. Basically, you buy a car from Orica, and Orica go, here's the car, here's a box of bits, go. So you've got, you know, a box of bits for high downforce, a box of bits for low downforce. The engine is the engine. It comes out of the factory with the amount of horsepower it makes, and you can't change anything. Like, the car mechanically is how the car comes, um, and there's some restrictions on drivers that you have to have. Okay. You then, which doesn't it doesn't matter as much, but I, I think that I like World Endurance Championship, and I, it's very interesting. You then have GT Pro, which is basically the fastest gt cars that you can go with and then you have gt am which is um the way it works is you have to have an amateur in your car you can't have just pro drivers you have to have an amateur so the hyper so like car, you and you and i could drive in that well so it's without spending hours on the podcast basically drivers are rated on a scoring system oh, okay. so me and you would both be what's Zero. called huh oh, no, we both be bronze drivers oh, okay. so a bronze driver is someone with only a certain amount of driving experience in racing you know so michael fassbender is actually racing in this series as oh a, yeah right so he is a bronze a silver <laughs> would be someone that's won some races at this level and kind of has the same level of experience as a bronze but has started to win quite a few things and the silver or someone that is a professional driver but quite young so you would then that person would then also be a silver driver you then have gold which is a professional racing driver in gt racing and then anyone that has raced in the highest category of racing so formula one top spec high, you know hypercar or uh, i think it's also top spec gt you get then labeled basically if you win le mans or you race a formula one car you are labeled a platinum so there's a balancing thing that goes on where if you have a plat you have three drivers if you have a platinum you have to then have two bronze if you have a gold you have to you can have a it's, anyway so mm. the hypercars turned up and they were meant, and it's only Toyota and Alpine have turned up with cars so far because everyone else is still either testing, developing the car, and it's not ready. So you had Toyota turn up with a hypercar. It looks really cool. Really like it. Uh, Alpine turn up with uh, an LMP, uh, uh, their race car, and then the LMP2s. How much ballast... Do you think the World Endurance Championship told Toyota that they had to have on board their car? Not enough, I'm assuming. 100 kilos. Oh, wow. The problem with then putting 100 kilos in the car was that it made them... So the hypercars are meant to be the fastest ones. They're meant to be winning the races. They're meant to be leading fighting between themselves. It's separate categories. The problem is, is that because they're so heavy now... They were actually slower than the LMP2 cars. Okay. Which is meant to be the second category. The slower category. Yeah. Right. Um, so this happened and Toyota and everyone kind of went, that's not right. To which the World Endurance Championship went, we're sticking to our guns. This is what we're going with. Okay. So I don't know about you, Jared, but to me, it kind of seems that the fastest... Cars on the circuit should be the fastest cars on the circuit. Well, yeah, it would be like F1 cars being slower than F2 cars. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's one I don't really understand. I thought I'd bring it up because it was a bit confusing where they've gone 100 kilos of ballast. Where's that come from? <laughs> Reasons. <laughs> like, Toyota turned up at the race hadn't turned a wheel in anger yet and got presented with a hundred kilos of ballast that they had to put in their car. That doesn't Why? make any sense. No. Um, yeah, should but we, it should be good. Should we discuss the Grand Prix coming up now? Yes, we should, because I've just watched FP1 and it was quite funny. <laughs> well, and hopefully that will make more sense than 
handing off a hundred yeah. kilos of ballast. Yeah. Here's a hundred kilos. What are we meant to do with it? Put it in the car. Why? Reasons. We're slower than the people in the category behind us. Well, yeah. deal with it. Well, and I mean, what's interesting in general about this Formula One schedule this time around is that they're kind of, it seems like they're being a bit more um, grounded. Like they're they're moving through Europe right now, right? We, we were in yeah. Italy. I mean, we, we started in Bahrain and now then we moved to Italy and now we're in Portugal and then we're going to be in Spain yeah. and then Monaco and then... We go back to Azerbaijan, but then we go to Turkey because that was announced this week. Actually, the Canadian Grand Prix, Prix is being replaced by Turkey. Yeah. Um, I guess because of the COVID situations in Canada, um, they just didn't feel like it was a good time. Um, because, I mean, the Canadian Grand Prix is usually about mid-June. And... Yeah. Canada is, I mean, right now in Ontario, we're sitting in the mid 40s range of vaccinating people, mm-hmm. um, unless you're in a hot spot, which I am not. So I'm still ineligible for a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, they claim that it's going to be by May 24th. I don't really believe that we're going to go that quickly based on how things have gone uh despite the fact that we should be going that quickly we're not anyways that's too much covid political talk regardless the canadian grand prix has been postponed till next year it's been replaced by turkey canada will be back on the schedule next year as far as formula one has said and through till 2024 i believe they have a contract with canada anyways we're in portugal this weekend Mm-hmm. at Portimao, which was last year, it was resurfaced, and we really at enjoyed that uh, Portimao. Is that also called Algarve? Or Algar- Algarve? Yeah, yeah Portimao Algarve. Um, okay. So, last year when we went here... Let's see how much I know about the tracks. Yeah, last year when we came here, the circuit had just been resurfaced, mm. and no one else had raced on it, so it was, oh, really, yeah, it was really slippy, right? Yeah. The problem is, is that no one's really raced on it much since. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be all squeaky and slippy again. And it's really windy to a point where Lewis Hamilton, halfway through FB1, went on the radio and went, we need to come in and make some serious changes to the car. <laughs> Max Verstappen said that he he was, I don't know if he did something to the flat spot, the tires or something, but basically at one, at one point said, I'm vibrating so much I can't see, to which point the team went, well, come in then if you can't see, if it's a safety issue, to which Max turned around and went, I'll be fine, I'll just need to see the dentist after the weekend. Mm. (laughs) Um, Don't like that. No, it's not great. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I mean, with the best one in the world, FP1 and FP2 are... It's so difficult to read what anyone's actually doing. Well, and Mercedes has not done the thing they normally do where they hold Hamilton back until qualifying because Hamilton is ahead of everyone. He's taken a clean sweep of Friday practice sessions as of the finishing of P2. Um, I'd be like less than an hour ago or four hours ago or whatever. Um, But Hamilton is ahead. Verstappen is about one 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 hundredths of a second behind. Yeah, I think this Bottas is realised that Carlos Sainz is in fourth. Yeah, I, I don't know what they were fully doing. I think that I think that what Mercedes have realised, and this is just my personal opinion, is that they've gone. Oh, we're not where we were last year. We can't give Hamilton FP three to figure out how to put in a quick qualifying lap. He right. needs all the time that he can get. Um, I think this track is still kind of evolving and figuring itself out. The wind is weird. So this one I like because it's another one where, you know, the, when the team, I like also that we're turning up at different places at different dates. 
because the teams used to have so much data about what's going on at what circuit. The weather was normally pretty predictable. What the tyres did last year, what this did last year. You know, that was what happened at, at, you know, all the races that went, you know, not last year, but the year before, because Mercedes knew, oh, well, last year, the tyres lasted 26 laps. Okay, let's compare the data to practice. Okay, yeah, they're going to last 26 laps. And they brought Hamilton in on 26 laps and sent him back out. And they were like, yeah, we knew it was going to last exactly that long. It was... Well, yeah, because Formula One for years has never changed the schedule, never changed where they're going, unless it was an mm. emergency or an, like a circumstance where a track was no longer eligible to yeah. support the Grand Prix anymore. That's mm-hmm. the only reason they changed anything on the schedule. Everything else was always the same. You went to every, the same track at the same time every year. Yeah. And yeah. now that they're getting away from that. It's actually really exciting. It's actually really interesting now. And I feel like they should keep doing that. It would be like, it would be like if the, if it would be like if the NFL played, you, you played the same team the same weekend every year. Yeah. It would get I think so this, stale. I, I think- yeah, I think this should be inherent to Formula One. That it, so it's it's always going to be difficult because Formula One has to operate at the highest level of safety. So they have to go for Category One circuits. From memory, I might be getting that wrong. And when you actually look down at it and really figure it out, in reality, there's probably only about 30 Category One circuits in the world and Formula One races at 25 of them. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that why don't we just start chucking those other five in there a bit more? You know, instead of doing, okay, you have to do 25 races a year, but let's chuck in some, let's, I think you'll go always going to have the jewels in the crown. And there's a lot of people that go, oh, we shouldn't go to Monaco because it's boring. Da, 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 da. Monaco isn't for the fact that Monaco is a great race. The drivers love Monaco and people love Monaco because it is just, Perfection or nothing. It's Monaco. Or wall. It's Monaco also. Monaco. Like that, it's, that's it's that's all you need to out. say. Yeah. That's all you need to say. It's Monaco, right? I mean mm-hmm. the, the same it's it's like it's the it's it's Nuremberg. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, that's what it is. I would yeah. love to see other tracks or or other circuits upgraded. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really, you know, I like that they come to Canada every year. I hope they continue to come to Canada every year. Why does it always have to be Montreal? Yeah. Can we? I mean, there. I I think it was. It wasn't always Montreal. I want to say Edmonton or Toronto has hosted mm-hmm. a Grand Prix before. But now it's just always been Montreal. Why mm-hmm. can't we do it in other major cities? Right. Let's let you know. There's multiple tracks in the states mm-hmm. that you can go Try to that they've done the yeah. that they've done before. Mm-hmm. It's not always been the same track in the states every year. I'd right? love. I, I'd I'd love to see. I'd love to see Le Mans. That would be a dream for me to see Le Mans. I'd yeah. I'd love to see Bathurst Island because that circuit is nuts. At one point, Jared, there is a corner in Bathurst Island that goes downhill to the left four stories wow people can't walk down it (laughs) and bathurst is a i love bathurst island and i have to nerd out about it bathurst island is fast with a lot of overtaking opportunities but like half the circuit looks like it's been designed by someone that's like we're gonna make a fast circuit and then the other part of it is walled sections that are very very fast either uphill blind or downhill so fast that if you get it wrong you're hitting a wall that's that's the two options in bathurst you either really really fast and maximum commitment or hit a wall (laughs) that's that's your two options well and that would be brilliant for formula one i know that bathurst are testing single seat of formula two cars and hopefully that starts to open it up so the formula one guys go Ooh, mm, that ooh. would be nice yeah i don't know if they would be able to get round right worth finding because <laughs> the worth formula one are down five stories like that 
Just, that would that would be amazing to watch. Yeah. So the exit of the corner, but go for it. It's it, we we we've gotten away from the, yeah. the task at hand. <laughs> Should we? Do which is the then, the yeah. the Heineken Grand Premio de Portugal? Yeah, Portuguese Grand Prix. Yeah. So, um, uh, should we do a one, two, three? Yeah. I'm I'm going to go Verstappen. Uh, you know, Ricardo's been okay. The thing for me with Ricardo is that he is still getting used to the car. Yeah. That's the thing for me, is that... And now a lot of people ask after last weekend, were like, oh, team orders, team orders, team orders. That was the most conclusive, and that was why I don't even think Daniel Ricciardo got annoyed about it, was because Lando overtook him, and then I guarantee you if Lando would have stayed a second in front of him... <clears throat> Very quickly, McLaren would have been like, right, well, switch back. But Lando, they switched, and Norris then went further down the road and, and moved off with it and went away. Right. I think Ricardo is going to start to now understand the car a lot more. He's had three races in it. I think he's improved and improved and improved and improved. Yeah, I think we're going to see Ricardo climb up the ranks I've seen as, as the season I've, goes I've, on. Yeah, I've gone Hamilton, Leclerc, Ricardo. See, you're so funny because you never pick Verstappen and he's always on there. Because I'm actually going, and I know he's not had the greatest FP2, but he only did 28 laps, which is kind of the lesser. And I mean, Verstappen only did 26. So the Red Bull actually did some of the fewest laps uh, the only other person to do fewer laps was Kimi Raikkonen because he doesn't give a damn. Um, I've gone Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton. Okay. I'm giving it a one-two Red Bull finish. Okay. Because Perez had a rough week, la- uh, had a rough race a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he w- he wasn't happy about it. No. Too much. So. That's what um, I think. Do you want to quickly talk about the Leafs getting into the playoffs and then we will end it there because I know you've got places to be. Yes, I have to be off in about 40 minutes. But uh, the Leafs clinched a playoff spot in last night's win. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was last night's win over the Vancouver Canucks. And it was a neat goal as well. It was a pretty... It was a pretty easy win for the Leafs they were on the second half of a back-to-back and that pretty goal was actually on in Wednesday night's game oh okay um Austin Matthews continues to lead the Rocket Richard trophy race which is the most goals in the NHL of course and I mean you just when you Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid are on their own level in, in the NHL, just when you think they're you're you're starting to figure out their trend or or um, how to shut them down, they come out with something new, and sometimes it's something new that they didn't even expect from themselves because that's exactly what happened with the goal that I showed you from Wednesday night. Um. I mean, Matthews, that wasn't planned. You can't tell me that was planned. Absolutely not. The puck goes... The, the, the There's a centering pass from Nick Felino. The puck goes off the skate of the defenseman for Montreal, Ben Sherratt, up into the air. And Matthews just goes into instinct mode. Knocks it out of the air on one side of Ben Sherratt. Pulls his stick around. Receives it on the other side of Ben Sherratt. And just yucks it at the net. And it rings off the bar with that beautiful noise and into the net. For me, this is one of those things where I go, I think that you can practice a lot of things. Like, I think you can practice catching a pass and all this kind of stuff. Like, one of the big things that people also turn around to and go, oh, well, how how is Odell and Jarvis Landry so good at catching a football? 
well, what they used to do was just fire jugs machines at themselves in weird and interesting angles and learn how to catch it at that angle. Right. And the thing was that, like, that's what Odell says. He's like, when I caught that, you know, the famous Odell pass, he said, I'd seen a ball flying at me like that before. My body knew what to do. Um, and he caught it. This, for me, was one of those things where you go, there is a level of natural talent because I'm sure you could you could put give me a year and a set of skates and I could skate around and I could receive passes and a level of it would be that. But there are certain people that you put in a situation like that and there is just a level of instinct because from the fact that he knocks it down and then... N- brings the stick round, gets it from landing, and he doesn't have to reset. Nope. He gets it, looks, and just instinctively knows where he is, brings it through body position, and knows it's just going to hit top left corner. Just ping. And to shoot like that, that quickly, that in that time frame, there is only a certain few people that can do that. I'm sorry. And the genuine excitement on his face as well, where he was like, I just did that. That worked. Yeah. Means that, you know, that you, that situation is so unique that you can't mm-hmm. practice something quite like that. Obviously, you can practice hand eye coordination and puck control and yeah. shooting, uh, you know, quick release shots, but you can't put that specific situation never, never, together into a no. simulation well, yeah, and also, practice it. Also, you're never going to. Okay, yeah, I'm sure you probably do some like tap down drills, and that probably happens quite a lot oh, yeah. in our players' career. We have to tap the ball, you know, puck's gonna tap it down. Yeah, but I I do not see a logical situation where a ref goes right. I'm gonna put the puck two yards behind you, and while skating on the move, I want you to shoot across your body. Yeah. <laughs> because any coach that asks you to do that, you're going to look at and go, coach, that that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, that's an inconceivable, ridiculous kind of thing to ask us to do. Yeah. And just, eh. Oh, okay. That works. So there you go. Austin Matthews is other. They, uh, they play on Saturday <laughs> and I believe it's against I want to say uh, I want to say Edmonton. It's funny. I'm not actually fully in tune with their. Oh no, it's Vancouver again because they're they're kind of ma- they're they're having to make up all the games that Vancouver had postponed. So it's okay. <laughs> it's a little bit unfortunate because the Leafs are basically just preying on the significantly weakened Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, uh, I mean this is. This is the this will be the fourth time they've played the Canucks in about ten days. Um, that sucks. And, right, and it'll be and it'll be the poop. and it'll be the fourth time they played the Canucks in six or seven games. So it, <laughs> I think the Canucks are getting pretty tired of the Leafs. Um, yeah, the Leafs have also had three four to one wins in a row. Vancouver four one, Montreal on Wednesday four one, Saturday against the Jets four one. Um, Joe Thornton hit eleven hundred assists. Forty one year old Joe Thornton hit eleven hundred assists. Jason Spezza is like seventh all time in points now, or something like that. Mm. Um or assist i i don't necessarily remember it people are breaking records it was mitch marner's 100th career goal last night where he got one um i mean records are just being broken all over the place now for this team and that they weren't even they're not they're still not even fully healthy so it'll be very interesting to see who they end up going with. When will Frederick Anderson come back? I think he's trying to come back as early as next week. Okay. They have three games against Montreal. We'll see. We'll see. Right. I think right. Bell's either got really bad news or really good news because she sounds like she's exploded. So I'm going to go oh, check on that. I can hear that a bit. 
Yeah. Right. Well, we wish better luck next week to all the losers. Um, uh-huh. Whatever the situation is with Bell. I'll let you know in a minute. Okay. Honestly, I just hear hype. Like, I'm a little bit deaf. Like, a, I I've realized that I'm a little bit deaf. Um, like, I actually went and had, like, a, an audio thing Test. done. Yeah. yeah. And, like, this ear is, like... 20% off of that ear. I know. I was just, oh, okay. And they were like, how do you think that happened? And I thought back to my years and years of working next to engines with exhausts off and tractors and machinery. Revving. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I've no idea. No. No, I don't know how that would have happened. And you know, when you get a look from a doctor where the doctor goes, you fucking know why this has happened. Yeah. I was like, Right, it's just that look of, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just doc, sorry about it. Right, can you end the podcast now? Because I need to go to the toilet. Bye. Bye.